Iowa's News Now Sports brings you black and gold glory. Your all-access pass to all things Hawkeyes. This is Eye on the Hawks. Yeah, I mean, nothing looked good tonight. I mean, really. Uh, so, you know, we'll go back to the board tomorrow and just push forward. And that's our show. Thanks for joining us on this Sunday edition of Eye on the Hawks, where we uh, recap uh, Iowa's red wedding during the whiteout. That was the trend uh, on Twitter. I, that's I'm not a original one. thought by right. me. But, uh, hey, things worked out for the Starks in the end. So, maybe. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, yeah, what, what the, can I say for the that? The living Starks, they worked out, I guess. So, yeah, well, welcome to Eye on the Hawks. Yeah, they took some L's, too. Uh, Mitch <laughs> Fick, Owen Sebring, Mike Howell here to uh, try to bring some levity. The sun came up in eastern Iowa today, albeit with some clouds, so we're still looking for visual confirmation of the big star in the sky. But 31 nothing in Happy Valley, first shutout for the Iowa Hawkeyes in 23 years, not the types of shutouts they would like to see. Let's just get initial reactions before we dive into everything. You were here, you were watching everything. You had a good day out at Miracle League. I know seeing Patty McCaffrey and, uh, and yeah. Tony Perkins and Sanford and the boys, that was a cool story you put together, but uh, reactions to the, the other side of the Hawkeye morale spectrum. I've done my best to turn this into an Iowa field hockey podcast. Are we sure we don't want to go that route today? <laughs> Seventh shutout uh, of the season, leading the nation in shutouts, Iowa field hockey, speaking of shutouts. Um, no, but if we must talk Iowa football, I would say... You know, some of my stronger opinions I'll save to sprinkle throughout the show as we go. But the main thing I'll say is just through four games, it's like, who is this Iowa football team? Like, it seems like every game we get a little bit of a different team, or I still have a hard time gauging what kind of a team this is. Are they good? Who are the playmakers? Who's like the MVP of this team? I just, other than, you know, Jay Higgins, as you say, he has a lot of tackles, tackles here. Four um, games. It's like, I still have a hard time getting a grasp around like what I really think about how this team is and how good they're going to be. It could take even two, three more games for me to even have a, a solid opinion on them. Yeah, third of the way through the year. Mike, what do you think? I hate to have an overreaction, but I think the offense just, it's it looks like the same offense with different pieces to me. And I don't know if it's, I don't want to put it on one person, one, one unit. The offensive line was not good. This Penn State team is really good. Um, but at the same time, West Virginia and Illinois both got 300-plus yards on it. Um, different games, obviously, but at some point this offense is going to have to take a, make a, take a leap if you know, they want to contend for a West title. So let's go through what went wrong because that's going to take a little while. <laughs> Let, let's start at the very beginning, and we'll start with even our, our preseason predictions and when the schedule comes out. Everyone in this room, all three of us, said I was going to lose at Penn State. Mm -hmm. If you go super top down, don't get in the nitty gritty of everything that happened or didn't happen in Happy Valley. The consensus, I think, across the board was, hey, it's the whiteout, it's a night game. They're a better team. They're a better team. This was going to be a loss. So there's that. That didn't go wrong. That kind of went right, everyone's predictions. Um, injuries mount up. Again, in August, you thought it was going to be lost. Now you go in there without Luke Lachey, who had surgery on Tuesday. Wasn't with the team, probably not going to be playing uh, throughout the rest of the year. No Caleb Johnson, no Jazz Patterson. So your injuries are there. That's already wrong before the ball's even snapped. The early turnovers, uh, offense was doing a little something. Eric All, a, a great call, a great call on the shovel pass to him. And millimeters away, flipped over and is almost down, but the ball gets loose. That sends things sideways. We'll talk about just um, that kind of pattern here in a little bit. And then, of course, 
Penn State has a bad punt, so bad in fact that it hits Iowa's coverage team. You, your heart goes out to Brendan. Uh, Cooper was trying to get everybody out of the way best he can. Uh, a little fluky there. And then you're going up against the t Penn State defense that once it has a 10-0 lead and a 17-0 lead midway through the third, pin your ears back and just go all out and, and make life miserable. Like you said, the offensive line uh, tackles gave up some covers. There was one Connor just had a, a dude run past him. So basically everything that, that could go wrong did go wrong before and during the game. Uh, Kirk and company already heard Kirk just say, yeah, fl flat out didn't have a whole lot going on. Here's uh, what everyone else said about not just what happened, but what do you do now, all things considered? So, yeah, needless to say, disappointing game, disappointing outcome for uh, for us. And, uh, you know, we really never got to in a position to put any stress on our opponents. So credit goes to them. They got a really good football team and played pretty much flawless tonight. Um, I don't want to say we helped them along, but certainly – uh, turnovers didn't help and some penalties uh, didn't help. But uh, uh, outside of that, really not a lot to say. You know, it's a tough loss for us. We'll move forward. And the biggest thing right now is, you know, we'll go back to work tomorrow so we can learn from this. And that's all about pushing forward. A lot of football left right now. And that's going to be the key thing as we move move on here. No, uh, definitely. We um, we try to we try to maintain a standard at all times. And um, sometimes the the uh, our best, our best, uh, sometimes isn't isn't enough, and I feel like tonight uh, was a situation where I could have did a better job putting our defense in a in a better situation, um, better situation to win. So, um, I mean, hats off to the way my guys competed. Uh, it's just really just up to me to, to get this defense going. I see this as a learning experience for our team. I can promise you that this is not a reflection of our team. We will be better because of this, and our offense will be better because of this too. You know, tonight was a tough night from a defensive standpoint that we were facing. And also there's some, you know, there's some elements too, but it will get better. I can promise you that. So the question now is, will it though? Thoughts? Uh, well, this, this would go back to one of the main points that I think I've taken from this team at least uh you know i i try hard mitch tries to keep us grounded and not to overreact because of one game but um it's hard not to at least take look at the season as a whole and and make an assumption like this but um i i don't see there's not much glimmer of hope for me that the offense will look uh tremendously different moving forward um or that we're gonna see okay all of a sudden this team's gonna explode they have the benefit of playing in one of the worst divisions in Power 5 football in the Big Ten West. I mean, I, I was thinking about it. I'm like, I don't know if we'll have a Big Ten West team ranked in the top 25 at the end of the season, frankly. Um, but, you know, maybe Wisconsin will we'll sneak in there. But outside of that, it's like, <laughs> who's going to be a top 25 team, really? So they have the benefit of playing a very easy schedule down the stretch. Um, so they could put up a little bit better numbers, at least stack some wins. But, like, w what... What hope do we have that, like, all of a sudden something is going to click? Um, maybe something will. Maybe they've got something uh, tucked up their sleeve that something will look tremendously different. But as of right now, yeah, they're going to win some games. But um, there's not much that's going to be terribly exciting about this team. Going Silver lining is, like you said, we're going to play some weaker teams. Michigan State, who we play next week, is, is not very good. I um, already a six and a half point favorite there. Yeah, already a six and a half point favorite. That's, that's kind of wild coming up after this game. 
Um, so I think they'll be able to move the ball on them. Uh, the schedule, I, I don't think we'll play, we'll play a, a defense like Penn State unless the Hawkeyes do make the, the Big Ten title game, which is a big if. Um, I, I was talking to Mitch earlier. I think the Wisconsin, Rutgers now, Illinois, and Nebraska games will all be toss-ups. I think they got decent defenses. Yeah. Uh, at least some of them do. Northwestern's better than maybe at least I thought they were going to be. Yeah, I mean, they, they shocked and came back from 21 last night against Minnesota, which is a shocking result yeah. in my opinion. Um, so I think, yeah, that's what the silver lining is. You got weaker teams coming up, um, but I don't think the offense is going to be that different. Here's my biggest thing that I think would concern me. If, if I'm a diehard Iowa fan, here's where I would get worried. Because, again, realistically, they're going to be all right this season. They'll make a bowl game. They'll win some more games. You know, the, the season will come to an end and it'll be fine. But looking at the future of where this team goes and the future of college football, the future of the Big Ten Conference, I would be tremendously worried about where Iowa is headed. Because if this is the the caliber of of a team that they're going to be and the caliber of offense that they can put on the field, try to convince me that this team can compete with Washington, looking at what they have been doing this year, with Oregon, what they've been doing this year, with USC, what they've been doing this year. This conference is getting a lot better, with a lot better competition, and I don't know what kind of divisions they're going to split the Big Ten into moving forward, but they're going to be playing a lot better teams in the future of the Big Ten Conference. And so even though you're going to be all right this year, uh, if you want to keep up with the future of what college football is going to be and what the Big Ten is going to be, you're going to have to make some big changes in what you do philosophically as a team. I mean, I mean, they're, they're barely, barely scraping by with keeping up with the present of college football, thanks almost entirely to Phil Parker, <laughs> giving them a defense that can score them a bunch of points and can keep them on the field. But when you look at the future of what the Big Ten is going to become with the teams that are coming in and the amount of talent that's going to be in this conference, there's going to be have you cannot just stay with where you're at and keep doing things the same way. You have to make some changes to do to be better. Kirk? Schematically, do you see any issues with what you're doing offensively or is it just a matter of continuing to do the same thing? We're, we're not going to, you know, create a new playbook. Is that what you're suggesting? Or just... Even, I know that you aren't a fan of wholesale changes, but is there anything schematic that you think needs to change? I'm, I'm not a wholesale um, believer in just you know changing because you had a bad game. It was not a good game tonight. I think we've made progress in three weeks. Tonight was disappointing. Played a really good football team. We'll keep it in perspective, um, and we'll you know we'll evaluate things over the course of 12 games. I mean, we still got eight to play, so it's you know not ready to. We got quality guys. We've made improvement. Uh, I think we're doing a lot of things really well. Not tonight necessarily, but uh, no, we're, we're not going to just you know start over again in any phase. I don't think we've ever done that. The sigh. The no, sigh that spoke volume. <laughs> Listen, Iowa's what they are. They'll they'll change when they change. When Iowa as a whole changes, it's going to be because Kirk Ferentz and company are are gone. Mm-hmm. So my. I guess my message, my mindset to those that want change, you're getting exactly what you want. I I think I pointed this out uh, during the Iowa State game last year. If you want Iowa to change and you're pushing for Iowa to change, which essentially means you're you're looking for the end of the Ferens regime, you're going to have to watch it collapse. I, I drew the parallel, and it's probably a terrible analogy to Mike earlier. You can't get on the plane to Disney World at CID and start complaining that you're not there yet when it's in over Missouri. <laughs> like, okay. 
collapses take time. It's not just going to be, and again, he said they're not going to change. So if you're, if you're pushing for the drive to 325 to fall apart, they already established back in February, like, this will be the, the year evaluation. Beth Getz said it again in August, like, we'll evaluate at the end of the year. Nothing is going to change midseason. They're going to be what they're going to be. You said they're, they're going to win games going forward. They're probably still the favorite in the West. They got eight games left to play, plus a bowl game, maybe a trip to Indy there. You're just going to have to sit in it and, and deal with it. Now, this one, you flush it, spray something, and move on, get out of Happy Valley. But in terms of just, like, what's going to change this year? Probably nothing. Mm-hmm. They're just going to keep doing what they're doing, and then we'll see what changes, if anything, at the end of 2023. But I, I guess, I, listen, frustration around, that wasn't fun last night at yeah. all. I'm not going to try and put lipstick on anything. The idea, though, that, like, the same arguments and frustrations and we just sit here spinning of like the offense doesn't change. Yeah, we know like it's not going to change. This is what it is. Let's just, all you can do is sit and be like, okay, hopefully things don't go as sideways as they did. Uh, so early in the game where a lot of things went Penn state's way. We'll talk about that in a little bit. That's just kind of how it is. And I know that's not a, not an answer. It's yeah. very existential. And, and to be honest, I guess, I don't know if you guys would agree or disagree with this, but like watching the game last night, I, that's a game where I would not necessarily put that on like, oh, Brian Ferentz totally screwed us last night. Like They couldn't get a snap off, barely. I mean, that Penn State team had, that's one of the most perfect games that a football team has ever played, especially in a top 25 matchup. They had absolutely everything planned for Iowa, and Iowa could get nothing going. I mean, shoot, Brian Ferentz can't hardly get anything going when his offense is only on the field for 33 plays in the night. So it's like, the offense did not look, as bad as I feel like they have looked in some games over the last couple of seasons when you felt like, gosh, what in the world are they thinking with these play calls? Penn State just had them totally outmatched last night, um, and I don't think that was necessarily a reflection on the offensive coordinator. Um, and, and I think it as, does go to the offensive philosophy, though. I sure. mean, when you look at the back, when they show the replays and Penn State's bringing eight guys mm-hmm. In every corner, and so they're man- manned up on all the receivers. And every corner knows exactly where the receivers are. And I'm no offensive guru, so like maybe they just called up a good play. But it seemed like every time Cade went back to throw it, a there was no time. So you know, but they were bringing pressure. And even when you know they're in a cover zero and there's no safety over top, there's still no one open. And I think it goes back to just you know the route trees that they have and stuff like that. There's no. It seems like you know when you watch college football throughout the day. Teams can routinely just throw out five, six yards against a defense because the defense doesn't know what's coming. It seems like every defense knows what I was going to do, and that's where, you know, when he says he's not going to change anything after one bad game, it's been almost. This is the third year of this offense not producing, so it's kind kind of like, yeah. well, why don't we change it before the season? Yeah, and we we change the players and that's personnel, so I guess we can wait and see. This is a really good Penn State team too, so yeah. and that's why I always like I, I don't know I I furrow my brow a bit when Kirk Ferentz talks about like, oh, we're not going to change something just after one game. And I'm like, okay, but it's not like it's been just one game. I'm, these the, Nats are these wild Nats are taking here. over, yeah. If, if, <laughs> if we go off air, it's because the Nats have finally taken um, control. It's, it's like, obviously, last night was like horrifying um, if you're an Iowa fan. But like the last three years, the offense has not been good. By any metric you want to look at, they've not been good. So it's not just like we've had this one bad Penn State game. They've had three seasons of bad offensive games for them to look at. It's not like you're just trying to take one as an anomaly. You've got a lot of bad offense to look at. 
Yeah, four first downs to Penn State's 28. And a lot of you guys probably all already know these numbers. 20 rushing yards to their 215. 56 passing yards to their 182. They didn't even have a lot of passing yards. The defense might have gave a, you know. They averaged less than four and a half yards in attempt. Yeah. Or Aller did at least. I mean, he was, what, 25 of 37 for like 166. They had the ball again, for 45 minutes. Four yeah. touchdowns. That's they, insane. They kept the ball. They kept the ball. They yeah. converted third downs. And that kind of takes us into the – oh, go ahead. I was just going to say one thing that – uh, James Franklin even pointed it out himself where he said something uh, either in the pregame or halftime report about like if he basically told us that Iowa is one-dimensional and that they knew what they had coming, that he's like, if we stop on first down, that's all the hope that they have. I mean, looking at this, uh, Iowa has the ninth worst third down conversion percentage in the nation, dead last in the Big Ten, uh, second to dead last among Power Five teams. Virginia Tech mm-hmm. is a little bit below them. Like, yeah, uh, to James Franklin's point, like this team, if they don't convert on first, second down, they're they're toast. And even with all these bad stats, it's it's hard to forget that it was ten to zero at half. Mm-hmm. And if Iowa recovers that muffed punt, it's a one score game. And that's kind of what Iowa kind of hopes in these games is make it muddy, mm-hmm. not because it's raining, but be, you know, muddy the game up, literally and figuratively. Yeah, yeah. And, when things don't happen the way, like if, if we don't, if Iowa doesn't get the turnover margin, which I don't think they have in any game except maybe well, Iowa State had a pick. I'm, I'm not sure. Iowa State was even, was it not? I think it was even. Yeah, one one. Um, yeah, it just when that doesn't happen for for the Hawks, they're gonna get behind, and and the defense cannot bail it, bail the offense out every single time. And in the second half, they just blew it all, off the top. They couldn't and, do anything. That was because I think they had 49 snaps on mm-hmm. on defense already. Their season high was 75 against Iowa State. In my and they had 97 snaps total in this game. So to that point, to me at least, and we really saw it in in Columbus last year, 60 snaps for this defense kind of seems to be the point of attrition. Where once they're out there past that, then you're going to start. That's when Utah State got their touchdown. That's when Iowa State got their touchdown. Of course, Western scored early, but that's when Phil's defense, with the intensity it is, the scheme that it is. To me, at least, and again, I'm not, I'm not a guru by any stretch of the imagination. 60-plus seems to be where, okay, that's where we're going to start falling off. You saw it right away in the second half. Those big, those awesome rap tackles that Castro made and Craig made, and I think Herkett had one, and, and Jay and Nick, of course, um, had fantastic games. Where they're wrapping up legs and holding them, all of a sudden that starts falling off. And then you go from, I mean, I, I wrote it in notes, too, the minute they hit 17 nothing, like anything that happens after this and it is – callous maybe that's not the right word this sounds nothing else after that really mattered because the game was kind of in hand you felt better if Cade and the offense came out and like marched down and scored then it's yeah then a little it's bit better a but, little bit but, but you're it, right again like it wouldn't have made a difference this idea that like if Deacon and the offense go down and make it 31-7 and it's not a shutout and they have a few extra like garbage yards not to take anything away from the second team offense but like that's how it would be viewed like would you feel better or, you know, like I said, kind of the narrative ends at 17 nothing. Like, all right, there it is. Let's let's get out. Yeah. I guess that was It would have been nice to get Drew Stevens a field goal in the rain, I guess, just for reps. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> but sure, it, yeah again, that, it wouldn't change the outcome. that's what it became just, then was just reps the rest of the Just the, the optics are a little bit better, just like for the sake of yardage totals or for the sake of, like, again, Your preserving tweet. that streak of no shutouts. Yeah, you know, I was going to say, you tweet that it's been 23 years since a shutout. Yeah. That, yeah. But again, like, do you think optics are for us and for, like, the mm-hmm. rah-rahs, not 
I mean, they don't care. Like, does Kirk care that they got shut out for the first time since Illinois in 2000? Maybe a little, maybe pride-wise, but in terms of, like, restarting a streak, I don't know if the care. Yeah, I probably And, and I'm probably you, not phrasing it right. But you know what I mean? Like, the, he, they said they're going to watch film today and then flush it and move on, which is probably, for those, I don't know how you guys feel about tough times if you let it stew a little bit and sit there and you just, like, that sucked, let's go. That's yeah. kind of my philosophy. Is like, all right, acknowledge it, let it go, and go go find some positivity and light. Yeah, you know, for the team, definitely. For us, you know, we got we got a week <laughs> we, to make some content. We got to fill this time here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's go back, and we've mentioned it a little bit. Um, and Jay Higgins, boy, talk about a captain being a leader. Eighteen tackles and still saying he didn't do enough to to help his team. Jay, you did. Hats off, man. Um, but yeah, a lot of third down conversions for Penn State again. Average less than four yards a carry, but just. And their biggest play of the day was 19 yards. Yeah. Like they weren't explosive. They were just efficient, and that can be exhausting for an offense that or a defense that's trying to get off the field and just can't. You know, we just, have a soundbite from Jay we were going to get to. Yeah, uh, yeah okay. I'm, I'm, I'm getting to it here. Uh, okay. Just wanted to go through everything. So, again, full credit to Penn State, offense and defense. Again, that's they were my pick to win the East preseason. They looked every bit of it, too. Ohio State's got Kyle McCord's figured stuff out. Michigan's Michigan, but Penn State's going to be tough. They did. We talked about not making excuses. Just like, again, those 50-50 plays that in any game, particularly if I was playing a, a top-tier program, that they were looking for those breaks to go. The the fumble where Eric's almost down and it slips out. Kills that momentum. A bad punt that hits Brendan in the back. The muffed punt by Penn State that just goes off Cooper's foot. That you know That's one of those, those opportunistic special teams plays. That doesn't go their way. Penn State, and they ended up punting on this drive anyway, but runs this reverse that then gets overturned and turned into a, an incomplete pass. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Oh, so I thought you were with um, The fourth down that the spot's really good, and Nick Jackson had to leave the field because his hat came off on third down, and there's no review. It, it, again, all these things that are just like those little minute details that start building that momentum. That all, that all goes, and then all of a sudden your defense has been on the field for 97 snaps, and we'll, we'll get to Jay here in a bit, but you have something to say. Uh, well, yeah, I guess you kind of touch on that there, too, a little bit, that, like, uh, there are not a lot of times where, like, I'm going to point to officiating, and even last night, you know, the loss was not because of officiating, no. but, like, in the first half, even the announcers of the game, of the CBS broadcast, were, like, mystified <laughs> by some of the officiating calls that were made. You know, it's, even when they did some reviews and they were, like, how did the they... Lateral especially, yeah. <laughs> lateral, like, really had... Ev- even the review experts were confused about that. Um, there was a sack where Caden, clearly a defender, yeah. had... You know, and that's stuff... That's just <laughs> positioning of official. Again, yeah. not... It's not excuses. It's just the fact that, hey, it, in the, the timeline of everything, a lot of times in games, those are, those are all sprinkled. The results are sprinkled a little more evenly than they were distributed on Saturday. Not in terms of decisions, but just in the in the randomness of games. Like a punt doesn't go off a foot or off a back, like that kind of stuff where it's just bang, bang. And, and those are a little more, again, uh, the universe distributes them a little more evenly. But, uh, you know, for Jay and this defense, basically you just got to keep doing what you're doing and he's staying about as, as positive and forward uh, viewing as you can after the game. Just really excited to watch the tape because I know we'll learn from it. Um, I know the coaching staff do a great job of learning from it. Just uh, uh, We'll just, across the board, players top down. Um, I mean, I feel like our defense is 
we're good because we're we know how to adapt. Um, so now it's time to adapt and see what we can do. When you go, I mean, as a team, go minus four in turnovers, I know that's probably the exact opposite no, definitely. Um, and we, we try to focus on all three phases, being a part of the team. And um, sometimes that ball just doesn't slip towards uh, our guys. And I mean, all we can do is continue to pe- compete, uh, continue to be around the ball. And sometimes that ball is slipping to the right hands eventually. Um, I want to give a few more defensive minded statistics. First off, through four games, Iowa still has not given up a rushing touchdown this year. Um, take that as you will. <laughs> I don't know if they've just been playing different kind of offenses, but um, or if that speaks to D-line or the front seven credit, but um, that's at least somewhat impressive. Um, this Iowa defense that we that deserves to be heralded, right now, Iowa as a whole, as a team nationally, are in the bottom 15 in turnover margin this year. Um, they're my, they're at minus four right now turnover margin. Obviously, uh, they came you know last night certainly did not help those numbers. Arizona State worst in the country minus ten turnover margin. That's pretty rough. Um, but Penn State first in the country in turnover margin. They have uh, taken the ball away eleven times. They have not committed a turnover this entire season. Only FBS team at least not to Oregon was gosh to not have F- a turnover. Yeah. Sure, FBS. Yes, Bo- yes. Both threw a, a pick yesterday. That was yep. his first turnover. Yes. And again, that's kind of a. a a parallel. Do you think Colorado is as bad as they looked against Oregon yesterday? Absolutely not. Is Iowa as bad as they looked last night against Penn State? Probably not. We hope not. <laughs> a lot of things went really wrong, mm-hmm. really quick. And again, again I, I pointed it out. Michigan 2021, Ohio State 2022, this game, when Iowa's playing teams that have elite level talent, they've got that formula that things really need to go a certain way early that if they don't, the attrition and the erosion can set in second half and you get 42 to three and 56 to 10 and 31 nothing. I watched the, the 2021 uh, Big Ten title game with a couple former Hawkeyes. And as soon as that fake field goal didn't go the way it was supposed to and Iowa doesn't score, they're like, well, they're off script. And this, you know, they're not immediately predicting a 39 point loss, but they're like, that's, that's got to hit to stay where they want. And now, you know, this, this offense is is not in a great spot. Yeah. Speaking of Michigan, I just had a random thought that this game reminded me a lot of Michigan at home last year, where the, sure. you can tell the talent is the talent. There's a talent gap. Mm-hmm. Michigan, I think, was only up ten to zero or fourteen zero at half. Yeah, and you thought, you know, if this offense could just score one touchdown, they'd be back in it. But then, you know, Michigan kind of closed the door. It wasn't like the thirty-one to zero. I think it was. 24 to 27 14 and there was a late, 14. late t- I think was yeah. it Lachey let me look it up yeah Lachey had a touchdown with eight seconds left so it ended up being a closer score but at no point because I was at the game with one of my friends yeah. did I think that Iowa actually legitimately had a chance like no. in the in the second half and this again, is and I would say Michigan plays not exactly similar similar to Iowa on offense by any means but Jim kind of thinks the same way of, mm-hmm. of ball control, work it. We're not trying to do anything crazy. Obviously, there's other examples of that where they just run slip shot on everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's a 27-14 game that felt maybe not as dominant as 31 nothing, but certainly like that was Michigan's game mm-hmm. from the jump. Yeah. The biggest point I make about the turnover margin especially is that um, it kind of goes back to my idea that, like, you know, again, a lot of things have to change with the University of Iowa football team possibly because, like, the last couple of years, 
they've been able to rely on that defense to just like get them takeaways. The last two years, they had a elite, you know, one of the best all-time defenses in their school history the last couple of seasons where like they could just totally depend on them to get some takeaways every game. This year's defense is, again, I think outstanding. I mean, mm-hmm. there are great defenses here, but maybe not to that caliber where they're going to be like guaranteed to get a few takeaways each game. And so like that, you can't rely on that defense anymore to hopefully get you some points that are going to keep you in a ball game at some point. This defense is very good, but as a whole, you're not going to be able to totally lean on them to, to win you games anymore. The one thing I think this defense is missing, and correct me if, if you guys think I'm wrong on this, is an elite-level pass rusher where Lucas Van Ness last year could do that. We were very deep at D-line, but I don't see, and again, you know, Penn State threw the ball. When they were throwing the ball, they, they were getting out of there quick, just like every other team against Iowa. I don't know if that's a script that every team's going to follow, but um, the pressure's not there. Still a very good defensive line, but that elite-level pass rusher with an A.J. or a Van Ness, you know, I don't, I don't see one there. Deontay and Joe were disruptive, though. I yeah. mean, Joe yeah. just, again, his numbers might not pop out, and I don't think Deontay or, uh, yeah, it didn't have, like, Crazy tackles, certainly not yeah. 18 tackles like Great linebackers good. did. But, yeah, I mean, just eyeball tests. They, they were getting pressure, but uh, kudos to Drew Aller. Uh, again, there were a couple plays early where you're like, okay, like maybe he's going to keep a ball high and against the zone, maybe they can jump on that. He, again, only threw for 166 yards on 37 attempts, but kept things under the zone, had a couple audibles where it was just like a short curl in front of a DB and, and just – took what was given, made a great throw on that fourth down for that first touchdown. I mean, mm-hmm. that's a fantastic throw where X is, again, like a fingertip away from from knocking it away. And again, it's truly a, a game of not just inches, but millimeters. Mm-hmm. He he didn't give Iowa's offense or Iowa's defense an opportunity to get picks. I mean, he was throwing it away um, on any of those where he would roll out and just he wasn't trying to make a play throwing into it because I think he knows darn well you don't, try to fit something in between those zones because there's four guys back there that are going to make plays. So I think the the lack of turnovers, Iowa only has two interceptions. Again, we've talked about the the lack of sacks is, you know, going against offenses that are getting rid of the ball quick. Um, they've done everything they can, you know, where the numbers aren't going to be eye-popping. But, yeah, they've been holding. Saturday's just an example of when you're out there in 97 plays, that attrition's going to set in super, super quick, yeah. and things get real muddy in a way that you're not trying to make them muddy. Yeah, field position battle was just so tough yesterday. It seems like every time I looked up, Iowa's defense was backed up on their own 40 or something. I mean, yeah. just couldn't, yeah, like I didn't think the defense looked that bad yesterday, just like could not get in a place where they could be set up for success. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thir- third down conversions pile up. Sam Laporte is trending on Twitter, having another d- nice day for the Lions. So there's really? that glass is half full. Um, final, I, do we need to have final thoughts or have we kind of nope. <laughs> established how we feel about everything? Let's, uh, let's go look at the garbage fire that is my life picking college football games against the spread. Uh, let's just take a look at how we did across the Big Ten West. Mike already mentioned it. Uh, a shocker in Evanston. Minnesota. Oh, a good nightcap on a bad night. It was a, a heck Look of a game. We had yeah, a dual, me and my buddy Patrick had a dual screen. We were watching that lane. and Indiana Akron, and we were like, oh, sickos. <laughs> <laughs> so Wisconsin uh, took care of business in West Lafayette. Uh, Illinois not able to blow out Florida Atlantic. Nebraska winning handily against Louisiana Tech, but Owen had, had faith in uh, the Bayou boys. They were able to to cover that 20-point spread. Again, uh, Northwest, I, 
had a feeling Northwestern was going to have some grit to him. Mm-hmm. And, and Ben Bryant's a really good quarterback, and he's, he's playing beat up too. And you don't just walk into Ryan Field, okay? <laughs> uh, some, some teams do. <laughs> uh, but, boy, that's a, that's a tough loss for Minnesota. Yeah, 31-10 going into the fourth and, and losing. They could have been 2-0 and in the Big Ten West, too. Wow. That, that, was, a, that was a game to, to take control. But So there we are. Uh, I am 10-15 and 15 through four weeks. Owen's... 13 and 12, and Mike leading the way at 14 and 11. Let's go. So if you just wanted to establish our credibility, particularly mine, I know what I'm talking about, folks. I mean, just look at that. Have you lost faith in Minnesota yet? I know you're you're a big fan. And it's tough. I mean, that offense still still puts up points, but that's just, it's tough. And I haven't haven't watched all that game yet, but Um, it's, yeah. If we're going to overreact on these scores, you got to be concerned about Illinois and Nebraska, like not being able to cover those spreads against teams that just lost starting quarterbacks mm-hmm. to injuries. And it looks like, you know, Wisconsin. Yeah, Florida Atlantic's was Casey Thompson from, yeah. uh, from Nebraska. Yeah. And it looks like Wisconsin and Iowa, it's, it's you know, it's their both of their titles to lose. Yeah. Purdue, I've been seeing some um, Big Ten rankings, like power rankings from like analysts, and they have Purdue dead last hmm. and 14th, which is and it's tough because Purdue, tough cause Tyrone you know, Tracy's having a nice year for him. I mean, there's it's same as Iowa. Like, there's sparks there. Hudson Card's a good quarterback. Mm-hmm. It's just, yeah, it's tough, man. As we do have, I think, you know, we can fill a little bit more time here um, with the podcast since there's not many positives to go back to this week. Um, there was an article this week. I know Mitch and I had this conversation maybe a couple months ago. Maybe Mike has had the conversation with, with Mitch as well. But we talked about like the, what the future of college football looks like in terms of like the shifting conferences and how things are going to turn out eventually. And I know that uh, we both had the idea that eventually it's going to be a you know kind of a relegation type of system possibly with college football similar to what they have in the soccer world. And ESPN even did an article this week about um, Oregon State's coach kind of talked about that, that uh, he thinks that, you know, maybe is a direction that college football could be headed. Um, do you think that, do you guys think that that is taking shape a little bit more? Would, or would you like to see college football turn to that format eventually where conferences kind of go away, I guess, um, and we, we turn to a little bit more relegation system where there's whatever you want to say, like, you know, 50 and one, 50 and, you know, three tiers of 50 teams or something like that? I don't think that ever happens in any American yeah. sport just because... Really? That's my thought, is that's not not here. <laughs> well, Only because there's here. guaranteed money for a lot of these schools, and they're going to protect it by staying in these conferences. And it might be two conferences, like or, or three, and just, you know, who would have guessed Oregon and Washington would be in... I almost said Washington with an R. Um, would that's, be in the, the Big Ten. pronunciation. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I do think it's going to... You know, I would not like to see that. I, I like playing Wisconsin every year. I like battling for the pig. I like playing Nebraska now. It's been 12, 10 years since they've been in the league. Um, I always get up for Michigan, Penn State, and Ohio State too. Like, yeah. Just classic Big Ten games, and, and we're going to see less of them, which kind of bums me out. Yeah. I mean, even, even with a, a relic, well, I guess I don't know. It's like you could still kind of try to keep protected games on there, like an Iowa State rivalry, but maybe... <laughs> you guys know soccer better than me, so I don't really know truly how the full system of relegation works if you have to play all teams within your, like, It's easier in soccer, yeah, because so, so there's 20 teams in a league, and now we're getting <laughs> way off topic. Yeah. And uh, they play everyone twice, home and away. So then after, like, a full season, you know, you know, your, 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 your uh, record speaks for itself. But a team in one division won't play a team in, like, the third division. Not in the league play. They do in uh, other competitions, yeah. Throughout the year. That's the other thing. I mean, that's the big difference between... I think we have a good chance, going back to the Iowa State comment, at losing that game soon, and I don't want to see that game 
either yeah. if the Big 12 and the Big 10 with 16 teams go to like 10 game conferences. Yeah. And now we're turning this into a conference alignment podcast. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> boy, Rocco's the guy in Ames. That yeah. kid's really good. Yeah, he's 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 super fun to watch, and uh, a nice win for the Cyclones on on Saturday. And that's exactly what I was going to be looking for on Saturday, uh, this upcoming Saturday against Michigan State. Flush, spray, move on. That's uh, I suppose the the mentality you have to take. And uh, we'll check back in with you on Wednesday. We'll get to talk to the Hawks ahead of their meeting up with the Spartans again, a program that's. Got all sorts of stuff going on off the field, and uh, Iowa's favored, so we'll see if the ship gets righted against MSU as they make the trip in from East Lansing. And we'll check back in with you on Wednesday. Thanks for joining us for a uh, an edition of Eye on the Hawks that could have been somber. Hopefully we kept a, a little bit light. A lot of football still to play, folks. So for Mike and Owen, I'm Mitch. Keep your chin up. The sun still rose. We'll see you Wednesday on Eye on the Hawks. <laughs>